cliffcentral.com. Good morning. Okay, so we are live and I am back and we've got everything sorted. And Pumlani Majozi is in the studio. It's time for another burning platform. How are you, Pumlani? I'm also, how are you? Nice to see you. Always dressed so smartly, and I'm so sorry I'm not in studio for you this morning. Yeah, you, man, I know. I you deserve you deserve our full attention. You I know, I'm, I'm, everything, I'm, I'm, Garrett. Do you see I, this? Oh, he's so, so beautifully dressed, this guy, and yeah, he always knows yeah. exactly how to how to how to make us feel special. Yeah. So listen, yes, yes, first yeah. and foremost, before we get into anything else, everybody already knows the burning platform. You've been a guest on here before, but you've got some exciting news. You've got a brand new book out, and yeah. I actually received it. I received a, 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 the a, book. Like a PDF. There, is the book. there it is. There it is. So the Lessons from Past Heroes. Yes. So tell us what this is and tell us how you came about writing this book and what ah. the point of it is. Because there's so many books. Everybody's uh, talking about, you know, writing their book. And these days it's a lot easier than it's ever been, which is a very good thing. <laughs> But why did you think this book was necessary? And tell us what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, um, um, Gareth. So the book is already out. It is available in stores across South Africa. Um, you can mm-hmm. get it there. You can also buy it from me as well if you are based here in Johannesburg. Uh, so I'm also my own seller as well. And then what, what I've tried, what I've done here, Gareth, is to, um, for those who have followed me for some time now, you will know that I have been very much vocal on the the importance of, um, you know, um, a a freer society, right? A society that embraces uh, markets or a market-driven economy, a society that embraces um, um, personal responsibility, a society that embraces law and order. So, and, and what I've tried to do with this book is to basically consolidate those ideas but now to explain to you how I do th- I, I do that in the book, let me just um, give you context as to how the book came about. So at one point years back, I was invited at a conference uh, in Nairobi. Uh, we had a small conference there. And as we returned flying over Africa back to Johannesburg, um, and um, yeah, and um, so I'm told to look at uh, uh, Pumi here, so not to. He's looking away. You know. He's like so shy. <laughs> I'm a shy guy. Let me have my cup of coffee and then continue. Yeah, so Mr. Cliff. So and then um, I um, and then as we came back, um, there is this in-flight magazine on SAA, um, um, and I see this in-flight magazine, and I have a look inside it. I think it was the Saubona magazine. When I see there, at the time, they were celebrating, the NC government was celebrating Oliver Tambo. I think he had 100 years, and they were remembering him. And the se- a section there was about the life of Oliver Tambo. When, when I read in that magazine uh, the achievements of this guy, um, personally, right, educationally, what it is he pursued to be a better person, right, what he did to advance himself, in order in, you know, to, to succeed in, in an environment that was very hard to, you know, uh, you know to achieve things at, at the time, the context of South Africa. And I was quite moved by his story, you know, his personal achievement. And I was like, you know, I, I think I should put together a, a some form of, of a, you know, a book where I basically look at, um, pick up a, a few personalities who did amazing things at a time when, you know, um, uh, the context or, or, or South Africa setting was very difficult to, to, to navigate, especially for the majority um, of black people. And I said, let me pick up these names 
and just uh, uh, do some profiles of these people um, or do some portraits of these people, highlight their achievement and say to South Africans, look, if there were people who could do these things at a time where things were very difficult for them, then what should we be, what should we be complaining about now? Right. We can do, we live in a democratic society. Our society is much uh, open now. Um, everybody has a right to, 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 to pursue um, their, their, their interests. And also we have a right um, as um, a people to hold our leaders to account. And that's what, that's what motivated me to write this book. And I said, you know what, let me explore these people and say to South, African, South Africans, if these guys could do it, what are we complaining about now? Let's fix our country. Let's focus on a few specific things that I mentioned in the book, that I explore in detail, and say, let's fix these things in order to make South Africa one of the best uh, competitive, wealthier societies. And for you, Gareth, 2023... I, I, I thought you said, uh, make South Africa great again, is basically <laughs> the summary here. And, and, and I love the fact that there are two reasons that you, from what I heard you say here. Number one, there are loads of black leaders who are underrepresented in the history classes and in the in in social media and online and in in what they like to boast about these days in the ANC in particular. Those people deserve some attention. That's number one. And number two, these people were doing what they were doing at a time where it was extremely difficult to get ahead to make things happen for black people in business, for black people in politics, for black people in society to advance themselves. And yet they succeeded over all those obstacles, which is a tremendous story of, uh, of, of, of human resilience, if nothing else. And I love that. I think it's such a great idea. Sorry, Pums, I interrupted you. No, so, you know, one of the chapters, and I, I'm just flipping through the book now, um, Mm. is is really about the socioeconomic issues that were important to the founders of the ANC. Yes. Uh, do you want to expand a little bit on that and also what it looks like today? What do you think are the socioeconomic issues that are most important to worry about? Yeah, in this day and age. About? Look, at the time, we need to understand the con you need to understand the context of South Africa at the time, right? And this is um, early 1900s, right? Um, when the, the, the ANC was formed at the time. Um, and then, and, and the, the mission or the goal with the formation of the ANC was for people of different uh, tribes, black people, to come together. And remember, remember these were guys who were from uh, Central South Africa. These were guys from the East Side, and some of the guys were from... Um, were from um, the colony. When you look at the cover of the book, you've got a, <laughs> those personalities you see. That was the black elite. You know, on the far left was Thomas Mapikela, right? Who was from that side of um, of Bloemfontein, and then you have Walter Rupusana, uh, who was from the side of the of the of um, of, of of the Cape Colony, and then we have John Langalibalele Dube. We have Saul Msane, um as well as Saul Bladke as well. And this, when you look at these people, they came from different regions across the country to come together and basically to say, look, uh, we live in a society where as um, a black people, we, we, we are not being recognized. Remember, this was just mm. two or three years later when the Union of South Africa was formed. The Union of South, of South Africa was a state that didn't recognize black people, right? It was a formation of a, of a state between, um, it was basically a white state, right? 
Um, and mm-hmm. and and there were laws, including the Learn Act, that was passed at the time, which basically marginalized and uh, ostracized black people. And these guys came together to say, look, we need to as a and it was the first time, by the way, that people of these these different regions, black people, could come together and try to form something national. And at the time, which is what I highlight in the book, the main issues were around how do we get to be recognized in the country. Right? How to be? Get, how do we get to be participant, participants in the shaping of the governance of our country? That was the main critical thing at the time. And people, and I do highlight that that you know at the time, even this was just a general trend around the world. Um, even when you look at the the government spending rates at the time, um, this was where basically the the ideas of Adam Smith, whom I do cite in the book, were much more, um, you know. Um, recognized and embraced that the, the, the economy must be largely driven by, you know, by the market, right? Um, that the, the those, when you look at even the government spending, even in, in, in developed countries at the time, you it, it was something around plus minus 10% of GDP at the time. And I do cite um, some academic uh, studies there. Um, so there was there was there was not much that these they were not expecting that government should be the helper or the nanny or to take care of them. All what mattered to them the most was to be yeah. the, to have a voice in their society, for, for them to shape the governance of the um, of the country and to have their own land. Um, of which, in many instances, of course, they had been marginalized and couldn't have full control of that. So those were they the issues at the they time. They were dispossessed. They were dispossessed. That's what I'm saying. Yes, because of the Union of South Africa, um, of of the the laws it pursued after that, um, after it became after we had uh, the union, the union. Um, so I mean, the, the these were these guys were not Gareth, the the, the folks who were expecting. Um, much from government, as we see today, uh, the idea was that we want they to recognize. They weren't. They weren't even expect. They weren't even expecting much from society because they were largely outsiders, and really, they weren't getting any support from white business nah, or from yeah. uh, social social institutions or any. Of that. There wasn't anything like that for for black people in the 1900s in South Africa. Yes, there wasn't, and 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 these people, yeah. you know, what, what I love about them the most was to go beyond. Um, and, and to look at where can they get opportunities beyond South Africa. These guys I'm talking about, right. uh, these guys, Garrett, they were, they were educated overseas. Some of them lectured in the West, in, in USA, uh, being lecturers mm-hmm. there. Uh, they were educated in the UK. And then they would come back here and, 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 and shape uh, South Africa's um, or the black intellectualism at the time and start newspapers, yes. be writers and so on. These people were world-traveled. So they understood the world, which is just amazing when you think of that. At that time, we have people who, could, who were doing such things, and we. we and what do we have? What so do we have now? Now we have Fikile Mbalula. <laughs> so the second part of my question, though, was, what about today? You know, what if those were the issues then? How has it changed to now? And then also, what are the most important in your mind? What are the most critical socioeconomic factors that we should be interested in and looking for ways to solve? Well, the socioeconomic issues we face right now, look, we all now can shape the destiny of our country, no doubt. Anyone who says that, yes. I, I would never say, I would never buy a, a person who still plays the victimhood card, which is what the subtitle of the book is. Um, so the, 
uh, we we can shape our governance. We 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 can pursue our um, our dreams within a place that is much 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 better than what it was back then. Um, if you want to pursue, um, we have business um, ambitions. You can pursue that in the country. Um, there is even various fundings that you can you can get through. Um, so there is much even in education as well. I I, I look at the the achievements of that we've. In, in fact, the, the 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 achievements and the failures when it comes to our education uh, system um, uh, in the post nineteen ninety four um, setting. Um, but your question is. You know, what are the issues right now? The issues right now are mainly having to do with how to deal with the very much shocking unemployment rates that we see in the country. The issues right now is how uh, uh, how do we deal with um, the very fundamental problem of high crime rates, right? Those are the issues. The issues are about how do you deal with the, a state or a country where we really have... Um, serious issues around the family breakdown, right? The breakdown of families. We come from broken homes in this country, and that is that has a, a serious impact on our society. The issues are about a, a state that has become corrupt, right? How do you deal with the issues of corruption? The issues are about how do you deal with um, the issues of um, again uh, we look at our borders as well. We need security there. How do we deal with those issues? So those are the fundamental problems right now that we that we face, and 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 as I as I lay out in the book that the the economic state of of our country requires that shift in thinking, right? Um, which I don't think we are seeing in the NC so far, especially after Jacob Zuma. Because I do make the case that over the past, in fact, since um, the, the first uh, two administrations in, in our democracy, they did better on the economy, right? And then the downhill or things going south began uh, from the Zuma administration. And we haven't really been, um, you know, we haven't reversed that decline. So those, I would say, are the, are the, the, the issues that we have to deal with now. It's not the issues of, you know, I'm not free. No, you are free now to do many things, right? Uh, to, in, in large part, in contrast to, to well, the what about, I mean, who live in Let them. me play devil's advocate. Yeah, play. play you, are devil, you are a devil advocate. anyway. So, <laughs> so what, what the EFF say is, no, we haven't. The, the struggle is not over. We have not got economic equality, as if that's something noble to pursue, is equality. But is that is that a fool's errand, or are they just playing to the cheap seats or are they playing to people's jealousy bitterness and resentment over being left out and very often left out on purpose by the, the state and the institutions of state and the economy at large and Pumi and i often talk about equality as being a thing because just this morning we were talking about how much the woolworth ceo uh, earns and shame he's on a low salary compared to ceos but the difference between those very wealthy people and those very poor people becomes an obsession for some and it becomes a great political football to throw around for people on the left, like the EFF. Don't you agree? Well, you know, um, it is very important. It's very important, um, Gareth, to think about what we mean by equality, right? Um, yeah. And the the equality that is sustainable and that can be achieved is the equality before before the law, uh, and the equality of of, right. of, of opportunity. Which I think is very important, and I have over the years argued that um, the, the the government must focus more, concentrate more, concentrate more on um, on trying to create opportunities for everybody um, uh, in the country. 
Um, and that's where uh, equality, that's where we should focus when it comes to equality. The idea that you can have uh, people who have different experiences, different skills, um, uh, different educational levels, different talents, because talents are not even the same, earning the same or making the same wealth. That's not really um, possible. Um, and if you if you try and do that, you are really going to you are going to cost the economy. You'll end up sort of um, uh, ostracizing, um, not uh, not creating an environment where people can have an opportunity to to you know to strive for for, for their goals and and their ambitions. So my point is that uh, you know our focus must be more in creating the, the you know equality of opportunity than the equality of wealth. Because I mean, if you want to achieve equality of wealth, um, the moment you, f you focus there, the obsession will be: well, how do you take from one CEO or one person who earns X and give it to another person who who earns, um, you know, who, who gets a different 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 pay? And that to me is such redistribution is not um, an efficient way of addressing things. What you need to do, though, which is very important, is to upskill your people. That they have an opportunity and that they have a, a chance to to pursue their you know uh, their dreams and their ambitions, and um, the way to do that is to invest. Make sure you, that you invest in their uh, educational uh, uh, you know uh, attainment, um, their skills. You invest in um, in entrepreneurship as well, along with the private sector. You can can do those things. So that's where you you want to create skills here yeah, and and and. It, to increase and improve people's productivity so that they can have an opportunity also to pursue um, you know, uh, their dreams right. and hopefully make more incomes as well to catch up to other people. Gareth, you wanted to say something? No, I, I think that, that's, that, that sounds like very obvious and, and reasonable to me. Um, but for some reason, the inequality mantra seems very popular politically. And that's what I'm interested in. Why is it that so many especially young people are left out of the economy and are warm they, they are warm receivers of the message that our biggest problem is that uh, capitalism is a parasitic system which yeah. preys on the weak and the poor i mean you just got back from a conference in london right tell yes, us about yeah. that and what what came up there because it wasn't all just political there must have been some discussions around economy yeah. because we know we know that people in the world are suddenly starting, especially young people, to find themselves willing to listen to messages which we thought had died out and been defeated after the Cold War. Yeah, yeah well, you know, the, the ARC conference, the Alliance for Responsible uh, Citizenship Conference, was, um, is a, is a, is a branch, brainchild of Dr. Jordan Peterson, right, who is a famous right. psychologist. Sure. Um uh, and he, sure. he he has put this um, forum together, uh, Gareth. To he basically what he did is that he he took people from around the world, whom he at least in his in his view and the the, the, the views of the people he work with, um, sort of more sort of um, you know um, right center and right people, right. And and by right and right, right center, I'm talking about people who believe in you know. In, in, in liberty, individual freedom, freer markets. Those are the people who, in personal responsibility, those are the people that um, uh, uh, Professor Jordan Peterson gathered. Um, uh, so they spotted many of them around the world. And then I was one of them, one, one of those people I was invited to come through to attend the conference. And the objective of the conference is to basically 
remind um you know well some of the guys that they were saying well we are defending western values that are being attacked by wokeism you know and so on. but i was thinking when i was sitting there look i'm from i'm a dude from a rural wazulu natal where i come from yet i could affiliate to the conversation there yeah. and you know why gareth because the, the the values that were being discussed were universal values we all want to be individual free human beings right we want we right. all come from families and that, that was some of the topics there were about families how do we make families stronger how do we how do you mm-hmm. ensure that we have you know free speech um which is in many ways is being um attacked how do we fight back against the cancel culture that you Gareth yourself some people have attempted to you know to you know to cancel you so how do you fight back and push back against those disturbing trends in democracies and Jordan is trying to do that and his message is this look we have um we have an opportunity to um to fix our countries let's not be be convinced that um the the fundamentals of markets and capitalism they are evil this an evil system no it's a system that is better than others right because it's 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 it it it, it you know it allows for individual freedom it allows for faster um um you know a growth in economies and that was what that um that conference was about and when you when you when you ask about why the race thing amongst the politicians well for politicians uh, the, the uh, it's easy for them to to pursue topics that will divide us right to pursue topics that will sort of paint or, or portray our society as when a white man is doing well at the expense of a black person in this day and age right so to play those racial yeah. division divisions um it's um it, it's a way of saying look uh, if, if you vote for me uh, what i will do is that i'm going to somehow make sure that um we get that wealth of that another person and somehow transfer it to you and that is very much misleading our people our young people and i think even the academic institutions this demon is them and we need to push push back yeah. against it in democracy okay. so pumlane though right. you know and i know you spoke about adam smith and because i see on your social media is one of the people that that you quite um hold in esteem right and he was besides just being an economist he was also a philosopher and one of the things he very famously said you know was that no society can surely be flourishing and happy of which the far greater part of the members are poor and miserable so it's not i mean when when you look at it today in south africa which is why some of these concepts may take hold is when you live in a society where half the people in the society are living on less than 20 rand a day and then you have a ceo on the other side that is earning 266000 rand a day and the price of milk the price of milk mm. is 27 rand mm. So this so is how, where how we, this is where yeah. we are today. Yes. And considering that you know the the earliest I mean when when he wrote Wealth of Nations one of the things about it it was almost considered heresy at the time uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. And part of it was really about not just a um a society that is wealthy but also a society that is healthy a society where we have to find a balance between these two things you cannot just allow rampant capitalism and where you have unhappy poor and miserable people even the people with money are living in a precarious environment you mm. know so what does what yeah. does that shift 
required. Yeah. Now let me ask you. You said what was the price of the milk? Twenty-seven rand. Mm. You said that right. Mm. Um, and um, okay, so the price is twenty-seven rand. Um, what has been pushing up over the past year or two? What has been pushing up inflation? What has been pushing up prices? It's been the load shedding issue as a contributor. Um, farmers have been facing a serious issue around mm-hmm. uh, the load shedding problems. Mm-hmm. Who brought who brought the load shedding problems? Isn't it the state? The failure of the state. Um, you yes. look at you look at uh, you look at the the, the transnet matter, Pumi. The transnet matter where we have serious logistical backlogs, right? Mm-hmm. Where we have uh, all these places where there are goods coming out and 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 coming into South Africa, there are serious, serious delays and supply problems. Who is who is responsible for transnet at the moment? Isn't it government, right? My point to you government is that- Government has always been responsible for transnet. My, but my point to you, my point to you is this, where you, have, where you see some serious things like inflation skyrocketing and going high, where in fact, even when you look at, by the way, even the price of petrol, um, Excuse me. Even the price of petrol, you'll find out that plus minus about forty percent of it is taxes, right? Again, that pushes up the price. Yeah. My point to Pum is this: where you see, where you see that there is some some economic problems, including infl- inflation. My argument to is that the government has been responsible for that, because we wouldn't have prices yeah. going high if load shedding was fixed. Right, we wouldn't have prices going high if we didn't have transnet issues. All these are governmental problems. So, what are you asking for? Are now, you asking me, for? Uh, so, uh, what are you asking for? Because you started out saying that you know government needs to ensure that these that 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 opportunity that that uh, young people are brought into the economy, and now you are saying government is the problem. So, what is it that you yeah, want? No, you no, want but to, no, but you're, no, but hang on. Your question for me was like unfettered capitalism does evil but then pumlani is pointing out that in our context it isn't capitalism the evil, of the it's the evil of price evil of price skyrocketing it's, yeah you know, and it's it, it's statism is, above all that's that's led to these problems the question though now, is where, where pumlani starts yeah. by saying that government government needs to do more that's where Pumlane started, is that government needs to, and and it's not just unfettered capitalism. No, All I'm I saying remember, is that yeah. where we sit in South Africa today, where half the people in this country are living and languishing in poverty and, and misery. Yeah, thanks right? to government, so, as a contributor to poverty is my point. But where we sit today, so what do you want? Do you want government do to want? do something or do you want government to do nothing? Of, of course I want government to do something. Mm. And remember what I said to you earlier. I spoke about that we must be equal before the law and have equal opportunity, right? We cannot equalize wealth or incomes. That's what I'm against, all this redistribution. What's the idea that, well, a CEO earns seven times space, another seven times than Pumlani? That's why it's going to get us to a point where we are failing to address the real issues that contribute to those wealth um, gaps, right? My point to you is this. The government must, what it needs to do, must focus more on upskilling Right, uh, our people and driving entrepreneurship. That should be the main focus, and in creating the frameworks uh, of a situation where things like load sheddings uh, they are fixed, things like um, uh, dealing with the issue of um, you know uh, the transit matters that is is being is, is being fixed. So my point to you is that create an environment. I'm not saying government shouldn't do anything. I'm saying that government has been doing things the wrong way, and in many instances, failing 
or destroying some of the elements that will help help us to have a productive economy. So, right. but what so that is asking, my point. Yeah. So what I'm asking is I'm asking, what does the solution look like for you? What what are these these changes that you are looking for? What are these policy changes that you are looking for? Oh, that one is a simple one, right? Okay, firstly, you need to deal with the issue of load shedding. That's a, an obvious one, right, that everybody knows. Now, you don't deal with the issue of load shedding um, by having, which is what we've done over the past decades, right? From the apartheid era, not only from our democratic era, you can't have one company supplying power. You've got to have more companies supplying electricity or supplying power. You have to deal with the issue yeah. of educational skills. In the book, I highlight mm -hmm. for me the problems of our education, right? Um, and I cite some reports there that shows that countries like Tanzania, Gareth, countries like poorer countries by GDP per capita, poorer countries by infrastructure, they are doing better mm -hmm. than us when it comes to education. So we don't have that compet competitive education that we, we need to address. You have to deal with the issues of law and order, right? Just last week, two weeks back, the World Bank said, look, South Africa's, the, the levels of crime are costing South Africa about 10% of its GDP a year. So think about that. Again, that's, a, that's an issue that government needs to, needs to address around the yeah. law, you know, law and order in the country. Get rid of the regulations that make it difficult for people to find employment. I'm not a fan of the national minimum wage. I'm not a fan. I just think it's there for dogmatic reasons, right? Um, it's not there for the purposes of creating a thriving labor market. Right. And we have to address the issues of the, you know, the labor costs that are quite troubling uh, when you look at, look at even by the sub-Saharan, you know, regional comparisons, that our labor costs are quite higher. Now, let me ask you one thing, um, uh, Pumi. Why do you think companies like Tesla, like Apple, they don't come to create factories in South Africa? They go elsewhere in East Asia and so on. When we have unemployment rates of plus 65% for young people. They don't come here, right? That's because we've made our market. Even Elon Musk is struggling to operate in this country, right? So those are the things we have to fix. You start with the basic, you know? So, I mean, these are the things that I don't want to give away too much um, and then people end up not buying the book and said, we, we listen to Pumlani in a way. But th that's the point I'm making here, that much of our problems that we have to address, they come from, um, you know, from um, incompetence of, of our leaders. Um, and, and that's, you, you okay, can't so, blame so hang capitalism. On. So, yeah, yeah I, I also think that the, there's, there's this idea that you can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Like you, you need government to get the things that government is responsible for working. Is that, is that more or less what you're saying, Pumlani? Is, as in, like, <laughs> since we have state-owned enterprises, it's not an ideal situation, but we have them. So we might as well make them work. And if they work, they can help build the infrastructure and supply the resources that we need in the economy. And we're not going to just overnight disband and disestablish them. We have to do these things carefully and slowly. And the idea of Chesterton's fences, if you don't know what the fence is for, don't break it down. But there's also this important question of, and, and I think the two aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. There's this idea that the more government stays out of private business, the better. Generally, if I have something to trade with Pumi, I don't need a third party in terms of government coming in trying to get their share of it in tax, trying to get their share of it in terms of making laws that affect Pumi in my trade. There's no need for that. It's getting in the way and it's unnecessary and it's so corporate I, I statism. Gareth. I keep losing Gareth. Are we, 
Okay, Ryan. It's going on and off. Are you, is it? Did you hear any can of that hear, now? Can you hear any of that? did now? you hear me? Yeah, 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 I did. I'll tell him about, okay. about what you said. I yeah. can't, okay, well, I can't just, hear okay, going. Ryan's coming to to help us out. Oh, okay. Obviously, it's Pumi's head, uh, Pumilani, Pumilani's Pumilani's headphones. Pumilani's headphones. You know, but, I suspect okay. it's my yeah. headphones. But okay, so you know, Gareth is asking about the between two people, you right, to, that we need less interference when there is trade in place. Yeah. And and Gareth, I mean, I think we 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 have you and I have over many uh, episodes of this spoken a lot about this. But I I do want to ask you know because the book is called Lessons from Past Heroes. And and one of the things, funny, we were talking about this at the office the other day, that these guys that are on the cover of your book got on their horse and carriages and went, their first meeting, Mangawung or whatever it is, you know, drove their horse and carriages for days yeah. on end to, to come together and put their minds to the problem and how they believe the problem needs to be solved. And so today, and it's not government. They were not in government at the time, you know. Yeah. So they were not yeah. the For you, the individual lessons for individuals within South Africa is what? <laughs> you know, that's a great question because I was speaking at a conference sometime this um this year, I think it was around July, and then I ended up when I was doing my presentation, saying, "Look, there are great lessons we can get from Afri Forum, right? Because these guys, yes, they represent African interests, um, but they have, you know, built a college, Soltech, their college, their, through the funding yeah. that their members put together. Uh, it was ahead of schedule, right? It's." Um, yeah. It's its use coming into operation. And I think also it was under sort of under budget or something along those lines. Don't quote me on that. Um so there are great lessons here. These people who these are people who have said, look, the government is failing us for me, you know, um, and uh, we can we must do something as a society to 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 try and better our communities. And the question is, how can we, the culture we saw there with what was done by Afri Forum? Um, now, when you mention Afri Forum, people get emotional. One guy after the conference came and said to me, you just mentioned racist people. That's not, not good for you. You know, I just said, look, I mean, we can learn something from, they are South Africans. We can learn something from them. Now, now that, that tells that that spirit, and you said that these people, they were not <laughs> representatives or somehow involved in government. These were private individual, mm. individuals. Um, who yeah. wanted to who are mobilized, right? Come together. Now, my point is that there are even current examples, like I've just given to you now, where co where communities come together and try to address problems that, in many instances, our 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 state is is failing, and and that's a positive that people can come can come together like that. So so so, so my point is that it, it's um, the initiative has to be taken by us um, to come together where we can do things together and, and in our communities to make a difference. This idea that we have to wait for, which is what the whole book is about. It's a counter 
to this thing of government must be the, the nanny, nanny in South Africa. That government must be the helper, that everything begins with them. We, 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 wanna, be, we wanna be a society where the government must play its role in the sense that it creates them the, the landscape and, and, and uh, the frameworks where we as people can pursue you know our our interest and come together as a people to better our communities and so places like Afri Forum are, are quite a good example. So what would you say? The median age in South Africa is twenty seven. So what would you say to a twenty two year old in Mutu who uh, today is looking at the South Africa that she lives in? What do you think she can do? Today, tomorrow, every day for the next month, for instance, that changes her situation and what is the lesson from these guys who were middle-aged, educated, moneyed. Now, there's something, Pume, I highlight in the book. And this is this. Here's a fact that can't be disputed. Even before 1994, there was education that was there, right, for black people. Yes, it was second class, third class education uh, because of segregationist sort of policies, but there was education. And there were these classes that we talk about today where you have the richer, where you have the middle people, there was, and also we have the poor. Those classes were there still, even back at the time. My point to you is this. My point to you is that the people I mentioned there, they, they, they made use of what was, what was available in front of them to be better than those who chose not to, or those who, who decided not to, you know, to work harder and pursue education. So the guys who, who pursued what was available in front of them, they came off better off. That's just the reality. So my point here is that for young people in South Africa, in the book I propose about four or five things that they need to think about and focus on. First of all, make sure that you pursue education intensely, right? And now it doesn't matter whether you live in a, in a in a township, whether it's in a rural. I'm from a rural I'm rural KZN. There were schools there. We went to schools. Whether you have to pursue what is given in front of you, I speak about as an uh, to an Indian. I'm, I'm talking to an individual young person here. You have to ensure that you take personal responsibility on many things. Right. Avoid being getting involved in things that will sort of make you lose track on your education. Right. And that, by the way, also takes, and this will be directed also to to the issue of families, right? What, what do you what do you mean by that? Like getting what into into uh, campus activities that are not academic? What do you mean? <laughs> no, 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 Gareth, no, Gareth. Look at we should look at the teenage pregnancy rates. They are quite troubling in South Africa. Ah, so okay. things like that. Okay, yeah. So we look you. at okay. the the consumption so of um, of drugs. Um, sorry. So what are you saying, Yegabafan? No, I'm not speaking to girls. You are, you are, you are mm, repositioning no, no. it now. <laughs> I asked you to say to a girl. That's what I said to you. What would you say? No, you said to, to a, a young person. No, I said 22 year old. No, she, girl. she did say a girl. Yeah. She did say a girl. Did you? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So that's one of the yeah. That's one of the advice that we talk of because that's part of personal responsibility, right? So um, so rather focus on things that will improve your 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 you know your your well-being and i also highlight in the book i tell my personal story that one of the things one of the unfortunate things about my upbringing was that my parents even though they had values very good values traditional values they were not mm -hmm. educated right um so what i what i did was that the in fact this was a trend that 
where kids came from poorer families that were not educated. The high school would be the place where they learn many things, right? Including learning some things that they couldn't get at, at you know, at, at home, right? They, they hang around with teachers who are educated. And one of the stories I told there is that when I, I used my teachers as a way of, for me to make progress, right? Whenever I was dealing with applications and so on, I would ask my teachers to, to help me to, 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 to push for that. Because I was driven, I wanted to be something, right? So that's one thing that you use sure. the school, that you, the environment where you can get help and exploit that to you know to um to make a difference to your life um and most importantly also try and be a person who understands and wants to hold people to account right and by the way, i'm not talking about just in communities in terms of um whether being led by um by counselors or but also in schools as well be able to know as a student as to what is your right and how you can um, and, and, and how when the system is being abused, you are able to, to speak up, right? To, I need education as a young, pe a young person. I cannot have a situation where teachers are shutting down the schools because of unionism and things like that. So those are basic things. That for a young pe a person, it begins with such basic things to be a, a responsible person who's not distracted um, uh, by the things that will destroy their education. More, more importantly for a young person, focus on improving yourself and look for, you know, take some, I, I mentioned how I got my first job, right? My first job when I was in high school was around, you know, uh, I was doing some garden, right? I was, I was, I was a garden boy, if you can call, if you can call mm. me that. Mm. Um, you know, but I, I worked and earned income, right? And I remember the first, I mentioned, mentioned this in the book, the first time I negotiated my salary, right? And that will tell you, Gareth, the, the powers of the free market that I advocate for right there on the spot yeah. with, that, with that example. So, but I mean, you've <laughs> got to find something to do to keep you busy as a young person. Now that's a message to, to a young, to a young person I, I would give because at the end of the day, much of the, the politics, the policy things, they're not controlled by young people. All a young person can do largely is to concentrate and exploit the opportunities that are around them in order to succeed. And it's not only a girl issue, even boys as well. That's how they should be thinking about, uh, you know, when it comes to improving their, their lives. All right, Pums. Yeah, I, I know that you. I know that you asked that question for a good reason. I know that you, you're thinking like, what is the advice we can actually give people on the ground? But a lot of this stuff is, is up for grabs in this election, right? So we've got an election next year. You've written this book about lessons we can learn from the past heroes. Um, what, what are the qualities of leadership? Because this is often a conversation that we have on this show. It's a conversation that happens with friends of mine. We're like, well, the leaders, there's such a, a huge problem with quality of leadership in the world. There aren't people stepping up, standing up for things, saying what they think, rallying people to a good cause. What do you think the leaders of the past had, or we imagine they had, that the leaders of the present do not? That's a, a very interesting question. Interesting, a very interesting question. Then, when we look at today's leadership, um, and this is what frustrates me uh, a lot, um, I have noticed that there are many. Okay, it's a democracy. Look, it's fine. It's a democracy. But there are many. There are many new parties emerging. Every now and then, there's now a mm. new party. Every now and then, there's now there's now yeah. a new party coming through. 
it, it yeah, looks everyone like, thinks they're a leader, but, but but what are they what are they meant to have that the guys in the past? And had? they want to be they want to be presidents. And the guys in the past, yeah. they were more driven by addressing the issues of the time that they faced, right? And those guys, uh-huh. they had perseverance, they had they had a vision, and most importantly, they had greater interests uh, or interest, uh, or they had they, they were driven more by people's interests. Um, interest at the time, the interest of, of the people who were marginalized. And then today where we see leaders wanting to be leaders largely because at least it seems to me, they just want to be presidents. Everyone thinks, no one wants to, I have argued in some instances, Garrett, that there are people who could come together and 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 as there are different political parties, they can come together, choose one person, and then they lead and try to counter the NC. But they don't want to do that. Pumla, they want to be different. No. On, you know, on one hand, you are yeah. a, a, a big proponent of the free market that says everybody uh, should be allowed to to start their own business because it increases competition. But on yeah. the other hand, you are saying the politicians or the individuals who feel that what they are looking for is not being offered by what is out there. And therefore, they are starting their own thing and they are proposing those values and they are proposing those um those ideas it's counterintuitive to say in politics there should be one two three parties but in business there should be 20 options for people i think that we do need as many individuals putting out ideas out there for how this country should be can be and creating opportunity to have a very robust debate Firstly, but also a very heated contestation for the voter because that's how you get more people to come out. That's how you get more people <laughs> okay, to come let's out. Get, let's let get. them let them contest their ideas. Uh, Pumi, let's let's not be theoretical great. at the moment. It's not theoretical. We have we have an election coming up next year. Yes. Yeah. We know what the problem is in South Africa, at least from my perspective, and that we have had a government led by the ANC that has failed its people. Right. Now, do you seriously believe? Do you seriously believe? Now, you are saying that, well, I'm arguing that in business there should be multiple options, but in, in politics there should... Of course, I can argue that was a political setting. If you want to achieve a stable South Africa where politicians are held to account, I can argue for that. I can encourage... I'm not forcing people. I can encourage that. Let's rather come together, have one force that counters the NC. Do you seriously believe that having all these multiple everyone coming to be a president is going to defeat the NC next year? It's not going to do that. That's not what they're saying. And the goal must be, but I'm telling you what the goal must be, right? The goal must be how do we, especially I'm talking about the political side now, the goal must be how do we remove the NC out of our, how do we defeat the NC next year? And that is why there is this multi-party coalition arrangement that's been that has been um, that has do taken place. Pumlani, do you think do you think this multi-party coalition is a good vehicle for achieving the the goal of getting the ANC out? But Garrett, or do you think mm. that it's that it's going to fail like cope? Like uh, you could argue that Herman Mashaba in Johannesburg was a failure. You can argue that Mgwazam um, Sibi in Northern KwaZulu Natal was a failure. And these are all the rats and mice people. Pumi's saying. No, there must be a contestation of, of ideas, which is never a bad thing. I mean, I think we all agree that's good. But you're saying practically, am I right? Practically, it, it, the, we already know what the options are. Look, Gareth, we need the NC government to be out of power next year. So, the and your, your question, what do I think about the multi-party? I think it's a good initiative. 
It supports my point, okay. the argument I'm making, that rather consolidate and try to fight for the defeat of the NC. If your values are, they can't be 100% aligned, but they are largely aligned, or to an extent they are aligned, which is what we are seeing with the multi-party coalition. So it's a good initiative that they are coming together with an aim to remove the NC out of power at this point. Boss Garrett, all these different smaller parties, as you say, they are going to collapse, not going to help. Everyone wants to be president. It's not helpful. Yeah. Rather come together, campaign, <laughs> and offer something and say, we are going to, the goal must be to, just as the goal was to remove the apartheid system uh, by the black people of the time, these black leaders I talk about, the main goal now from the multi-party no, coalition yeah. must be and to remove the answer. You know, and this is where the contestation of ideas is about, right? Today, when we look back, we think that the goal was to remove an apartheid system, but actually it was about having a political autonomy. What that meant was that you have to remove apartheid. Mm -hmm. But the idea was that every man should be free and yeah. to, to, to have their own political destiny. Which is one, which but is so, one idea that we're fighting for. That is the idea. But yes. And differently to what you are saying, the idea of saying the idea to remove the ANC, that is not an idea. That is a consequence. The Wait, idea, maybe, an, the idea, idea perhaps, mm. is an idea that says our constitution promises to free the potential of everyone. And what that requires is it requires a market that will allow everybody to operate. The consequence is remove the ANC. The idea is change the way that business is done. Now you have got people saying, oh, okay, these people are talking about what is important to me. These people are talking about opportunity for me to work as a young per person. These people are talking about an opportunity to build my business as a business person. Mm -hmm. Now you want to go to the poll. But when you are just saying remove the ANC, what people are asking is they are asking, and then what? What will you do what, differently what, what from do you the mean ANC? And then what? If of you are course. not having a conversation that says, yeah. this is what I will do differently, yeah, then yes. people don't show up to but, vote. But, but, and I this mean, is not theoretical. This is what we see. More people don't show up to vote because they're going, and then what? Okay. Let's, let's, uh, so why, why are you uh, railing against that, Pumlani? What's, yeah, what's yeah. the problem with what Pumi is no, saying? No, Pumi is she's asking the question, and then what if we defeat the ANC? And then the new people come in to take power. Those people can be in the form of a, of a coalition. That would be fine. But we need a situation where the ANC is out of power. What comes up after that is some governance where the ANC is not a, um, is not, um, is not governing. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, we, we, the, I mean, we need to get practical here, guys. Let's not really get to what we want to achieve right now, which is what I say in the book. We have an election next year. And we've seen what the problem is in the country, and that is the NC's governance, and the goal must be to defeat the NC. And I'm saying my recommendation is that I do support the multi-party sort of uh, coalition that has been put in place because it's, it's people who largely um, sort of have the same values. They are not exactly the same. Of course, they do uh, disagree sure. on many things, but they largely have. And for them to come together and to to say, we want to combine and, def and and defeat the NC. But do you seriously think that Freedom Front Plus can defeat the NC or any smaller no. parties in Action SA? Guys, it's not going to happen. Let's, let's be realistic and stop your rising. We want change next year, and the change can only come if guys like 
um, the multi-party coalition stand together for the benefit of South Africa. Okay, so so Pumlani, you, know, you want to be um, you want to be practical. Let's let's get let's practical. Get real. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and let's uh, let's cut to the chase here. We've got like six minutes left of the show. You've just written this book. We talked about leadership, and there's some interesting questions here. I mean, this is just to, to comment on this. Leanne says, morals, values, and integrity is what is lacking when it comes and to Leanne leadership. And Leanne is right. That's so, a good point, yeah. So, so leadership leaders need to say what they think and do what they say. Um, who would you vote for in the upcoming <laughs> elections? Let's, let, because... You know, in this country, we obfuscate and white people are too embarrassed to say that they'll vote for the DA because everybody goes, oh, well, I think that that because it's a white person, they're going to vote for the DA. Black people are always accused. Well, secretly, they love the ANC. They just pretend, especially if they're the clever blacks, you know, the ones who talk on radio stations and that kind of thing. Well, they say they hate the ANC, but people suspect that they vote for them anyway. And then people like Pumi, who are trying to understand what everybody else wants to do, is accused of being DA one day, EFF the next day, ANC the next day. We've got to say what we what we really think. Who would you vote for? Who's the best option on the on the, the menu because at the moment? Because you know who's not on the ballot. You know who's not on the ballot. Who? A multi-party coalition. Correct. So who would you vote for? <laughs> oh, you know, you are putting me in a very difficult um um a sport here. But what I what I, I I don't want to to give the actual name of uh, of who I would vote for, but I, I have I argue in the book that and there's one section um, where I counter the narrative that we don't have an alternative to the NC, and I think that's very much misleading. We do have many parties in the country uh, that we could vote mm-hmm. for. Um, DA has experience okay. in governance. IFP as if has also governed before. Look, you have to give other people a chance uh, to govern the country. I would definitely not uh, vote for the the far leftist EFF because of its ideas that are very much counter to the values I stand for. So definitely to know right. them. But I will definitely look into within um you know um this multi party multi party um uh, coalition um because I think it's a good initiative and it has my support. I'm, I'm not ashamed of saying but as, that. But as, okay, so as Pumi says, that you can't vote for the multi party coalition, but you're saying you're going to vote for one of the parties. That's in that my point. Coalition. Indirectly, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I will vote right. for one of those parties because their values, they are sort of largely see, to an I extent mean, aligned th- to think mine. Mina, so Stink Mina here in the comments is saying, and I, I, I hate when people just jump to these conclusions, like everyone is being paid by political parties. The political parties have no money. For starters, they really don't. They don't have the kind of money that American political parties have where they can uh, deploy hundreds of ambassadors into civil society. Mm, we all know Pumlani is a DA stogie, says Stinkmina. I mean, that's that's not true, is it? What? That you're some kind of agent for the DA. No, that's nonsense. It's just I um, I, mean, I have said that the DA governs better than other than um than the NC, which is what the data shows. And oh, I've that's said not that we do have an alternative. That's true. Yeah, that's true. We do have alternatives. I, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting here in a province. I'm sitting here in a province, and I visit here a couple of times a year, mm-hmm. and I can see there is growth and development, and there's good administration here. The roads are fixed. Things are happening. That's purely a question. It's not about politics or emotion. That's purely about like service delivery it's governance that's all it's proper governance governance oh well i wouldn't call it okay, proper so, but it's better governance so, which is what we're arguing so let me ask this quickly because kaza says i've only ever voted anc but not this time this is a refrain we hear from many people what, what do you comment to that 
Uh, is he saying that he's only voted for the ANC and this time... Before, and uh, this time not voting for the ANC. Ah, okay. No, that's 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 uh, that's a positive. But I would I would advise that uh, don't vote for the EFF, which is what I've been saying for a long time. Because the EFF would be the country would be more destroyed, far worse than how the NC has mismanaged it. That has been my my argument. Because of their leftist sort of pro chave um, uh, you know, ideology and and ideas. Do you think that that's how many people are feeling that they're not going to vote ANC, so they'll vote EFF? Of course, of course, there are many people who think that. Uh, why would you think that the EFF has been has doubled its, its support since its founding? Um, was I think was it around twenty fourteen where they founded or so? Let's suppose we have had people okay. who have you know it's happening. But my point is that I, I'm adv- look, Gareth. These are my opinions and my advices, right? And I'm not forcing anyone right. to be. It's it's just no. what I think should be how we should handle the situation. I'm saying hey, don't look, vote for EFF. I'm, I'm, yeah, you know. And I'm not try- I'm not trying to put you in a in an awkward <laughs> yeah. position. I mean. I've got to thank you because so many times on social media, and you are brave, my friend. You are brave, if nothing else. One of the qualities of leadership and some of those people that you write about in your book is courage. And there are so few people in politics and in conversation on social media who actually have the courage of their convictions, as you do. It's one of the reasons I like having you on the show. Will you say what you really think? And here, Kaza is saying, by the way, uh, voted for the ANC a couple of times, voting DA this time. So I appreciate again people who say what they think and do what they say. I love this. Yeah. You know, I think Bums? I I think the courage of conviction is what we see with all the various people who are putting their hand up to say, I currently do not feel that there is somebody in the landscape that is offering me what I need in this country going forward and I'm going to mobilize people around the ideas that I have and we are going to contest. I think that if you look back, because we are talking about lessons from past heroes and Mm. the past, if you look back to 1988 and think about what South Africa was then and how hard it was and how dark it was for, for many people And the fact that there were also equally as many people who were saying there is no way in hell that the NP government would be defeated and that apartheid would end in 1988. Yes. And yet, and yet, in 1994, we had queues and queues and queues of South Africans one man, one vote. Right. And all I'm saying is the contestation of ideas, the bravery of individuals, and the, the mobilizing and coalescing around ideas that change not just the fortunes of the people selling those ideas, but people who buy into those ideas looks like yes. a change for our country. And I'm simply saying that the many people who are putting up their hands, whether it is a rise, a patriotic alliance, an EFF, they are contesting ideas. And if they can get people to coalesce around those ideas, then they can change the government. The consequence will be an ANC that is not in power. But if you are anti, if you are selling a man, if you are selling a a a 
get the ANC out. You are not going to get people to follow. That's why you have people in this comment section saying, I don't know who to vote for. Even as you have a multi-party mm. coalition where five people are saying, yeah. if you vote, vote for my party. And between the five of us, after you have voted for us, we're going to fight for this one seat. That's what they are telling you. And that's what people are saying. I'm not sure if that's what I want to buy into. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to draw this to a close. There are lots of interesting comments here too. But Pumlani, you're always welcome on the show. I wish Pleasure. you the best of luck with your book. Thank Pums, you. Hold it up again so that people can see what the book looks like. This is a good one for Christmas uh, because I love history. So Lessons from Past Heroes by Pumlani Majosi, our guest this morning. Take a look at that and put it in the stockings this Christmas so that you can uh, make this capitalist rich. <laughs> at least... At least try to get him to recoup the costs. Uh, making books is not cheap, and it's not as, as lucrative a business as people seem to think it is. All right, Pumlani, thank you so much. Pumi, ma, uh, I almost said Pumi Majosi. Pumi Mashifo. Uh, Pumlani Majosi. And Gareth Cliff, we're out for this morning. Thank you, everybody. We will see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. for a Friday special from Cape Town. Have an excellent day. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye.